Think about something that you're good at, that you know you're good at, and that others know you're good at. Something you could do on request without much thought. What is it inside you that affirms this belief in yourself? To find out, stay tuned for this episode of the Fair Advantage Podcast. Life is full of performances, and I want you to perform at your best. So come along with me in this episode to make sure you have the fair advantage. Welcome, everybody, to the Fair Advantage podcast. This is episode four, and of course, we're going to be talking about confidence and how to get it, if you figured that out from the introduction today. And this is important in every facet of life. We'll talk about it today in the context of performance psychology. So first off, let's kind of get into what it is. I mean, we know what it looks like when we see it. We know what it looks like or what it feels like when we have it. But how do we define it? And simply put, it's just your your belief and your ability to succeed in whatever it is that you're doing. And it's situation-specific, so we can have what's called global self-confidence, where we're just kind of a confident person in general. And then we have situation-specific self-confidence. So I might be really confident in my uh, basketball shooting ability, but not so confident in my soccer shooting ability. So it's situation-specific. But whatever it is, however we apply it, it's just a belief in our ability to succeed in whatever it is that we're doing. So as you thought about something that you're really good at, that other people know you're good at, you've got confidence in that. That's that belief in yourself that you can do it. And oftentimes in a, in a sports psychology context in particular, confidence is considered by athletes to be the most important attribute for success in sport. So really excited to talk more about this. But as we kind of broaden this understanding of what it is and how we might define it, I want you to think of it on a spectrum. So on the low end, we have underconfidence, right, where we're underconfident of whatever the situation is. And then we can go all the way to being overconfident. So what we're talking about or, or going to be talking about today is is optimal confidence. We want to have that. But I need to go back just a little bit because a lot of people ask me this question when I bring up the whole spectrum idea. Is like, well, yeah, but is it really possible to have too much confidence? Like, can you have too much? Like, really? Is 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 that even possible? And and I'll say this: No, it's not possible to have too much confidence unless that confidence is unfounded or it's unrealistic in in whatever our abilities or uh, the preparation time that we put into to get us ready for the particular performance situation. So in those instances, we could have uh, what's called inflated confidence, for example, where maybe uh, I, I might even be a highly skilled performer, but I think that I'm even better than I am. And so then I don't prepare as much. And so then um, I don't perform as well. And I'm kind of miffed by that. Like, I don't quite understand this because I should be performing better, shouldn't I? That's a, that's an example of inflated confidence. And there's there's also something called 
false confidence. So false confidence is something that we'll see in people who they have an outward expression of confidence, but it doesn't really match what they feel inside. So it's like it's like an act. They're putting on an act of being confident or it's a cover up for some insecurities or they really actually have a strong fear of failure. And so a lot of times these athletes will they'll appear cocky or brash, right? The kind of arrogant brag. Um, and that could be an example of, of false confidence in the sporting uh, context. So that's what it is. Again, we all recognize it when we see it. We can tell someone who's confident um, and, and we know what it feels like ourselves. But, but why do we want it? Okay, Why do we want it in a performance context? Well, more confident performers perform better. We do a better job at dealing with anxiety and stress. It's more easy to find that sort of flow state or the zone, easier to get in the zone if we have some confidence. We're more likely to exert more effort. We try harder and then we persist longer when we're pursuing our goals, especially in the face of adversity because we have some confidence or whatever we're basing our confidence in is is a, a better a better form of confidence. And then we can also do what's called, well, one way to put it is we generate some some momentum, some positive momentum with our confidence. We get a spiraling upwards in this positive direction, uh, building confidence and then having successes, which gives us more confidence when we go in that direction. But also we do a better job if we're confident than those who are underconfident at reversing negative momentum. So the way that we interpret our challenges. So again, I want to go back to with that idea though, as I, that I mentioned earlier of, of confidence being on a spectrum. Okay. So if we have, um, if we're going to kind of graph this and look at it and we say, well, I have confidence and then anxiety, well, high anxiety, I, I'm usually going to, if I'm have low confidence, I'm probably going to have higher anxiety. If I'm overconfident, I'm not going to have enough anxiety because we've got to have some level of arousal or engagement or energization to perform well. And then the same applies for uh, uh, motivation, right? Motivation is going to be low if I'm underconfident and motivation is going to be low if I'm overconfident, but there's going to be some optimal middle ground there. Same with concentration and then performance. So we, we want to find that optimal confidence because it's going to help us do all these great things, uh, improve motivation, deal with anxiety, and improve performance are, are some big ones right there. So where does it come from? We know what it is. We know why you want it. Where does it come from? And everybody listening to this, you could come up with your own lengthy list of where it comes from. And it's important to recognize the individual differences in, in where we derive our confidence. Uh, because that can help us uh, find more ways to get it or increase it. So I'll go over a few of these here. I mean, some sources of confidence, we get it from other people. So that could be a coach or that could be a teacher or um, an adjudicator. It could be be anybody. It could be a, 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 an employer or supervisor who's giving us some sort of instructional feedback or some social support that we get and we, we, we uh, compartmentalize that and digest it, and that gives us a boost in our confidence. So, so that can boost it. Uh, for some of us, it's our preparation. We can be really meticulous in our preparation. That can be both physical preparation. So if I'm an athlete, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do um, 
all of the, the skills and drills that I need to do, but I'm also going to condition my body, strengthen my body from a physical standpoint. But there's also mental preparation. So I'm going to develop specific mental preparation plans or mental performance plans or backup plans that can help boost my confidence. If I'm prepared for whatever the situation is, a performance situation, I tend to be more confident. And that can be, again, physical preparation and mental preparation. We also glean confidence when we have success. We have some different types of performance accomplishments where we achieve goals. We check things off the list. That feels good. That's why a lot of um, individuals who they, 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 they make lists, right? And they, the, the physical act of crossing something off the list boosts some confidence uh, because that's a very measurable performance accomplishment. Social support. So again, other people that can give us sort of instructional feedback. I, I mentioned social support um, uh, that we can get, and that can come from again family, friends, others. Then there's 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 this thing called innate factors that some individuals just believe that they just got it right. It's a personality thing, and that might relate to that whole global self confidence thing I mentioned. Um, and then experience is another one. So we've been in similar situations before. So there's, there's, there's not the novelty there, but also it, it can be, we've been there in our mind before. This is why the power of imagery episode three is really powerful because we can put ourselves in the situation as if we've already experienced it. I've already done it in my mind. Maybe I haven't raced or competed at the Olympics before. This is my first Olympics, but I've seen everything in my mind and that gives me confidence because it's almost like it was a past situation and I've already been here. A lot of great athletes share stories like that of, of uh, well, I've already seen myself break the world record. I've done it a thousand times in my head. So going out and doing it was actually like something I was just drawing experience from. And then a couple other things, self-awareness is one. Well, like if we know exactly what we want, that can kind of give us some confidence because if we are a little bit wishy-washy or we're waffling, we're not really sure what direction we want to go, that can take away confidence. So like I said, you have a, a that's just a small list, a smattering of a few options. All of us are going to derive confidence from from different areas, it's important to recognize, well, what, what are my main sources of confidence? And then we can find ways to get it, okay? How do we get confidence? Maybe we're not feeling as confident in one area or we're not feeling as confident as we were previously. How can we get it? So I'm gonna take kind of a classic uh, approach here, classic model of breaking this down and that's from self-efficacy theory. And there's four main categories. There's performance accomplishments, vicarious experiences, verbal persuasion, and arousal control are the things that we can focus in on, on how to get confidence, how to boost it. Okay, The, the most powerful is always going to be experiencing some success. So performance accomplishments, that's going to be number one in, in, in boosting our confidence. And a really important way to give us some measurable performance accomplishments and, and a whole lot of them is to set goals and, and, and be specific. So go back to the list example that I gave you earlier is a lot of people, myself included, 
We write lists down of the things that we need to do. And then when we cross something off the list, that is a performance accomplishment. It gives us some confidence that we're actually achieving things. We're setting goals and we're crossing them off the list. It's these marks along the way where most of us, we just have like one goal. It's just a big goal that's out there and it, and it always feels so far away. And it's just we never feel like we're a, a success until we get the big goal. And it doesn't mean that the big goal isn't important. It's just we need to find ways to create a foundation or a stairway of confidence-boosting steps on the way to the big goal. So we hone in on some process goals, the things that are going to help us uh, uh, get to the, the ultimate goal, and then specific performance measures as well. So goal setting is important, recognizing the baby steps and, and, and recognizing those small little successes. And one way we can do that is with what's called a personal hall of fame or bragging uh, board or uh, wall of fame, whatever we want to term it. It can be in the form of a memory book, uh, uh, highlight videos, anything like that. It's just any way to track successes that we can actively add to it as we go. So it could be a poster board or notes on a whiteboard on the wall, anything like that where we're just giving ourselves little notches, little high fives along the way to recognize those small victories because that boosts confidence. And it says, hey, yeah, I'm actually making progress. I'm having these little achievements through throughout the day. And this can be challenging, especially depending on what our, our sort of goal orientation is. In our mind, I've worked with some some athletes who they can do something really well nine times out of ten. There's all these great performance accomplishments that could be boosting their confidence, but one time out of ten, they made a mistake, they flubbed it up, and that's what they fixate their mind on. And and we're hardwired that way to kind of view the the negative things more heavily than the positive things. And, and so it becomes a skill of like, hey, we got to recognize that you, you did this thing nine times out of ten. Really awesome, exactly the way that you want to. We need to find ways to recognize that. We have to take the time to do that in order to boost our confidence. Otherwise, we're, we're, we're sapping our confidence. We're draining it. So performance accomplishments is the first one. Then the next one is vicarious experiences. And this can be powerful, especially if we're kind of going through a slump or a little dry spell with our performance. We're not uh, achieving the level of success that maybe we want to. And, or, for example, we get hurt. We have an injury. We have something that prevents us from doing what we want to do. And where's our confidence? Where do we base our confidence on? If we only base it on, on uh, winning or certain outcomes performance outcomes and where can we base it so vicarious experiences is another one to where we're we're gaining confidence through other people who have been in similar situations or ourselves a previous version of ourselves even this is what's cool so modeling is the is the first thing where we we can watch someone or talk to someone who's been in a similar situation uh, we can watch video, and this is this is also true if we're if we're not hurt, we still can do this. We could watch video of someone who's in a similar situation. We go to a, an actual competition or performance venue, and and we can watch them or ourselves with similar past successes and see them uh, achieve. We also can use imagery. So this this here is a classic example for for coaches who may be listening to this. Is you have your athletes. If, you, if you're going to watch film, for example, 
you have your athletes instead of instead of just like rewinding and watching the mistakes, the blown plays over and over again, that, that re- reinforces what we don't want to have happen. And if we want to build confidence, we want to hone in and replay over and over again the successful plays, the success, successful execution of movement. And that's going to boost confidence much more than than the other. And then the other piece is is to act confidently. And it doesn't mean that we need to get into the stage of exuding false confidence, but it can it can help pull us in that direction. It's like, well, I want to at least act the way that I, I want to feel because I do want to feel this way. And that can almost be like a, a, a vicarious out-of-body experience in itself. So we have the performance accomplishments. That's the big one. Then you have vicarious experiences, learning through previous versions of ourselves or uh, projected future versions of ourselves or others. And then the next one is verbal persuasion. So there's two components to this. So this this can come from feedback where we request others to uh, say something positive about us or for example again i've done this with athletes before i've had a group of athletes and say okay everybody you're going to uh we're going to pass around a piece of paper so i say i've got six athletes each athlete's going to write their name at the top of the piece of paper they're going to pass it around to each other person on uh, in the group and every other athlete is going to write one positive piece of feedback or one thing that they admire about that person their teammate whose name is on the piece of paper. So by the time it comes all the way back, you've got five pieces of positive feedback or verbal persuasion that can boost the confidence of that person. You just tell them what 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 they think. And and if we don't have other people, we could we could request we could request that <clears throat> from our from a teacher instructor or or a coach, whoever it is that we're working with, we can try and 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 uh, get receive some feedback to boost our confidence, or the other piece, and this is the one that's more controllable, is our self-talk. We could, we have some potential to persuade ourselves verbally within our own mind. And when we go down on the downward spiral and confidence is going the opposite direction of what we want, it's usually because there's we get in a, a pattern or we get stuck in a pattern of negative thoughts. And we have to find a way to combat those negative thoughts. And, and, and I'm going to do a separate podcast on self-talk all by itself. But that's a way that we can, we can so we have to combat those negative thoughts of, in self-talk, and we have to develop positive thought patterns. We have to pers- be able to persuade ourselves. Because honestly, if someone else tells, hey, hey, great job, but our internal dialogue is like, oh, man, you did such a horrible job. This was just, you didn't perform at all. You're just not even worth your breath. Then... The feedback from others is not going to be very persuasive because we're not we're not receptive to it because our own self-talk is so negative. So performance accomplishments, vicarious experiences, verbal persuasion, and then the last one sometimes is worded differently, uh, but it's just arousal or energy or physiological uh, uh, control or interpretation of what we're experiencing physiologically with a with a stress response, right? So we have anxiety going into a performance situation. How do we interpret that? Do we interpret it as a facilitative or something that can help us, uh, or do we view it as a it's just a challenging situation to be overcome? Or do we view it as a, as a threat and the, these feelings are debilitative and they're going to take away from my ability to perform? So how, how do we interpret that? That's that first thing. And then 
we, we need to be willing to embrace it. We accept it, that that's a part of what we're, we're doing. And, and the fact that we're experiencing it can give us confidence that, hey, I care about this. I'm ready. My body's telling me that I'm ready to perform. And then one last specific point here is we want to be mindful. We want to focus on the present, not on the outcome. If we do that, then then things are more controllable. Well, if I'm running a race and I'm at mile 20 in a marathon, those last six miles, if I'm looking at the finish, that's too far away. Like I don't have much confidence that I can make it there if that's my focus. But if I focus right here in the moment, one step, one step in front of the other, one more, just one more, just one more right there over and over and over and over again, I have confidence that I can do that. And, and that helps me deal with some of the anxiety and the stress that that I might be experiencing. And, and, and that's ultimately the goal. As we look at these different things, performance accomplishments, vicarious experiences, verbal persuasion, arousal or energy control, if we work on those things, we can, we can get confidence and we can boost our confidence. And, and especially if we, we, we individualize it and we specify it or personalize it uh, to the specific sources of confidence that are the most meaningful for us. So that is the podcast for today, episode four on confidence and how to get it. Hopefully you found some of it useful and you're able to go out there and get yourself a big heaping portion of confidence the rest of today and the future. Thank you for listening to the Fair Advantage podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, check out some other episodes on my website, fairadvantage.wixsite.com slash fair.